1: Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. And a fine false Wednesday to you and yours. I'm Jeff, that's Tom, there's Director Matthew. Hope you're well. We appreciate you joining us. Everybody good? Everybody good? I think so. I think feel pretty happy. Who likes that we're at a place where uh, I'm so eager to watch Florida State play. That was the point I made yesterday on uh, headlines, and I was thinking about it. We talked about it a little bit, too, Tom, on, on Monday. They've graduated to a place where the week, it's too long, man. I want to get to the game. I want to get to the game. I get so excited about watching this team play football. They have found something in that running game, in their offensive approach. You kind of feel good every time. Uh, they line up and uh, let's see if they can keep that momentum and that success and that efficiency and the, you know, the production that we watch every Saturday right now on offense going this weekend against Syracuse. Uh, We we all know the big question with Syracuse uh, is, is whether or not they're healthy at quarterback. And uh, you know, that's, that's Schrader's not, you know, Johnny Unitas. Hey, you like that reference? Uh, But, but, but he's, the best they have, and they're a better team when he plays. And they're 6-3 and three overall, 3-2 three and two in conference, and they would be uh, perhaps 7-2 if they had a quarterback, uh, if they hadn't had the injury. So
0: we'll see an interesting season for them offensively beyond the injury because robert and i coming in as a first-year coordinator has done a great job with garrett schrader and making him more decisive he's capable of a lot of different throws that's correct more throws than he certainly was capable of uh, capable of last year he was just really hard to tackle and bring to the ground last season that's still the case but with sean tucker that was the featured player thought maybe at least i did upper teens around 2,000 scrimmage yards this season for Sean Tucker, given what he was last season. And really, they haven't developed him as much. That's what makes it so strange. They go to him a lot more in the passing game, but they don't feature him in this offense the way that he was featured last year.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't use the term development. He's fully developed as a player. You're right, they don't feature him. That's that's the that's the way to say it. They don't feature him the way that they did. And I, I wonder if that's because early in the season, uh, they had moments where they had the improved passing game and fell in love with it a little too much instead of falling back on the workhorse uh, because that kid is, is a real talent. And we were asked a question yesterday on headlines, how would he fit in our backfield? Yeah, well, he'd fit nicely. He's really good. He's that caliber of player. He's way up
0: there. The good thing is, yes, if you're any running back in this country from high school or college, you look at Florida State as one of those places that you want to go now, period. That's cool, whether you are kind of good but underdeveloped or you're legitimate, or you're elite. This is a place where you can go and eat big time.
1: You get, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity um, because we want to run the ball and we're hell-bent on that being sort of the the root of the offense. You're going to get opportunities even if you're not, let's say, the dude. You're going to get opportunities. So, yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, I, I hope that as this year has gone along, that is becoming true. We'll see. As we turn our attention with each passing game more towards recruiting, I hope that's true of a few, few more receivers as well. Um, you know, obviously, you got a, you got a superstar in that class. Uh, well, at least a potential superstar in that class. Uh, you'd like to see a couple more kids excited about coming to play wide receiver at Florida State. That has to continue to, to develop. And it
0: probably will if you keep playing well. The question is, what kind of reliance will there be on the portal year to year for this coaching staff philosophically speaking Mm -hmm. you know now that we're better and the offense has more film out there i was fond of saying it earlier this season that you don't have to turn on memphis film anymore to tell a kid this is what you could be in my scheme you could turn on florida state film for receivers and running backs alike and say this is what you can be and even better than this in my offense well now that they're having that success do what's the ratio if you've got 25 spots every year, what's the ratio? Do you still want it to be 18-7 high school to a transfer portal? Do you want it to be 15-10? What's the best fit? Because we're doing really well in the transfer portal, but can you count on that? Changes
1: every year. I think if you're building a long-lasting culture, you want to recruit high school kids, you want to build through the, uh, the high school ranks in that way. But if you have a pressing need, if you have a... A huge amount of production exiting your program at season's end. You know you the the luxury you have now as a coach, especially if you've had success in doing this, is you don't have to wait on a kid to come in, develop, take two and three years before he's a dominant player or he matches the production level of what's leaving. You know you don't have that time. Coaches are under pressure at all times to succeed. and sustaining success is what allows you to recruit those high school ranks. Uh, so, you can't have huge drop offs from one year to the next and expect to be, you know, always on the radar of uh, the up and coming players out of high school. So, if you've got, you know, we we just had it. That situation with Jermaine Johnson, I think we correctly tabbed as dire. Uh, when he left, we thought about the devastating loss of production. Uh, him and Keir Thomas were going to, you know, them exiting the premises was going to be a real problem for Florida State. And they, in, in many ways, um, obviously recognize that, and they were able to bring in a difference maker off the edge, and and that has lessened the blow. Um, you'd still love to have those guys back, but it still lessens the blow. So if there's an immediate need, you got to go get that guy in the transfer portal, I think, and if it's uh, you know about your long-term success and culture, I think you develop that through the high school ranks, and it's such a balancing act, and it changes all the time. If you have a, a senior-laden team um, and, and, and we're talking about right now because you haven't been here that long, uh, and you're losing a starter at quarterback, a starter at running back, a starter at wide receiver, a starter at defensive end, a starter at right tackle, a starter at – I'm just I'm randomly naming positions. I'm not saying that's specific to Florida State. You would probably want to get that in the transfer portal right now, a kid who's proven himself at the collegiate level that can come in and save your bacon.
0: And the thing about the program where it is specifically Florida State is you need to lean on the transfer portal again this offseason. And it might not be the last time, but it certainly has to be, again, a huge part of what this offseason is about when you consider what you're going to lose in the trenches on defense specifically. And then also, honestly, on offense as well, even though we like that younger class that Mm -hmm. just came in, Mm -hmm. it's a lot to ask for more than one or two of the 2022 signees to be ready to go next year. And if both of your guards are gone, I know we've got a lot of guards on this team in general. Well, Bless Harris by, could be have, one a, and a Darius. Bunch of them, yeah. Darius could be one. Hell, maybe even Robert Scott could be one if you could find more bona fide tackles. But still I think they're gonna have to address at least three or four positions in the transfer portal this offseason because they're not there yet, where they're cranking yeah. out the high school and developing the high school yeah. talent.
1: Yeah, they keep building that way though. It is interesting. They are, you know, again, I, I recruiting will become a big topic. It's it's an always big topic in the recruiting world for people who just that is their passion. Uh, and they they monitor it every single day. You know, I always find the, I, th- I think for radio purposes and just conversational purposes, i th- I think honestly, striking that balance, the understanding of the importance of recruiting is a given in any conversation surrounding college football. So your program always be closing, right? It, it, it's you have to be closing on the good players that give you a chance to to succeed long term. But we, we spend so much time, of course, talking about the games on a radio show like this. Let's talk about the games and the people who play in them and those that are contributing them now, those who are the reason that you're winning and losing games with, with uh, you know, obviously an understanding of the behind-the-scenes stuff. But I will say though later in the year, uh, when you get to, I guess when you reach certain levels of success and, and the goals are being met, now you want to see that translate big time in the world of recruiting. Now you start to turn your attention more towards it. Fresh off a forty-three, 45-3 a to 3 ass shellacking of Miami, you uh, expect to see perhaps a buzz, an uptick in chatter from those that are maybe on the fence and, and and some outright flips and things of that ilk. And with each passing win, you're going to expect to see that. First of all, we're moving in on a time where they're going to have to commit. Uh, so, you know, what are we, four weeks out?
0: Yeah, a lot of assembly, about that, maybe yeah. five, but yeah. a lot of assembly lines should be going after that game. And what I'm hoping is, you know, the collective, specifically Rising Spear. Separate, got,
1: independent, completely of Florida State. That's correct. Just, got, just, you know, kind, giving souls.
0: There was a lot of inquiries, mm. you know, just a lot of them this weekend after that win into Sunday morning. You know what? Still feeling good. I should really inquire as to how much money I could give Rising Spear to help make sure the 2023 tribe is outstanding.
1: You know, it's interesting too. I think um, you know I have said on the air that I think they've got in the neighborhood. Just a guess from what I understand behind the scenes, in the neighborhood of three point five to four point two million dollars to spend on roster retention and perhaps you know you didn't say potato chips okay no i'm saying right. they've got yeah so i think they've got a good amount of money to be able to retain certain players services and also go out and lure others we, you, know, you and I have spoke about this a lot, like how much of it goes to player retention, how much of it goes to incoming recruits, how much of it is luring somebody away from their current situation. And again, I think it's, it depends on the, the level of production. You've got to evaluate players just like NFL teams do when they go into a draft. Like, am I, am I spending this much money? Well, that, it, runs, it coincides with the rounds you're taking them in. So for me, if I've got a can't-miss, obviously go, go to an example like Southern Cal. Well, we like to have the reigning Bulitnikov Award winner come play for us. Well, he's going to cost you $2 million. He's really good. Other people want him, too. That's a far cry from a kid you're getting in the transfer portal that is filling in need from a production standpoint, but he's not an All-American. He's not even an All-Conference player. He's just a player that is a plus player that saves you the headache of having to play a kid who's not ready yet.
0: It's interesting that, you know, these are the budget numbers that would be tossed around. That's a very different budget figure than what the university would be dealing with or the boosters would be dealing with when it comes to, you know. Building the, things? The, the coaching staff. Oh. No, I, I'm thinking about the coaching staff now. Because as you succeed, at minimum, you're going to have to pay more to retain the guys you got. And they've already done that with certain guys. I think that's going to have to happen again here.
1: I do too. Well, first of all, at the end of this year, Mike will get an extension. Right. Right, that's a given. That that's they already know that, and I would think, I don't know this, but Alex Adkins will get a yet another raise. Um, the guy is, he's talked about more now in the last two weeks uh, than I can ever remember, and that's because this offensive line is moving people. This offense is prolific. He is he has the title of OC, and he. That line is technically very, very good at what they do. I mean, they're not dominant physical freaks that are just mauling people the way you've seen Georgia's line in the past do and the way you've seen Alabama's lines and some of the others. Um, Michigan's line currently just destroys people. It's it's something to behold. Not saying they're devoid of technique, just saying they're monsters. The clay is different, as I like to say. So what Alex has done is a combination of of teaching and scheme and then also Obviously, these guys are getting better. the The quality of player is getting better for Florida State. But Alex is as well thought of right now as he's ever been, and he's young and he's a rising star. And you'd like to keep him for another year.
0: This is one thing that I'm just ignorant to because of the job that we have and and how you know a Saturday workflow is specifically for me. You know, the yeah yeah, yeah. post game show a lot of work for you. Yes. Well, and, and I don't mean it that way. No, I'm but, just saying no,
1: no, it is.
0: Okay, but I, I'm just talking about I don't see the chatter. After the game, we, we are the chatter after the game That's on YouTube, right right? right? right, yeah, yeah. But my question is and maybe the folks in the chat can answer this, or anybody listening wants to email or chant are they doing a good enough job at the collective and at the booster level of capitalizing on a moment like this to make sure that you know that you are needed? You, the fan, are needed to help push us over the top. Like, for example, in the moments after the LSU win in week one of the football season, right, I got an email from the softball program. I'm a coaches club member over there. Yeah. Saying, What an incredible win. It's because of folks like you that, you know, the mission is advanced. And remember, by the way, and here's a link to softball. Very smart. It's very smart. That's well done. Are they doing that at the collective level and are they doing that at the booster level? Because by the time that we come up for air, working for the website and the multimedia empire that is Warchan, it's Sunday afternoon. Those hours are critical because when you're throwing around numbers and the threes and the fours or whatever it is, I want to hear fives and sixes because of capitalizing on 45 to freaking three. This is the moment.
1: Yeah, they they are uh, to, to varying degrees of success. They are. Um, and I would want more, I think, There has always been an understanding that as we kind of get our sea legs and we begin to figure out what's what, and I I would say this is not solely pertaining to Florida State. We only care about Florida State, but this is true of many other athletic programs, boosters, uh, across the country. NIL is a reality. Everybody understands that. You have to have a fully functioning Uh, communicating, uh, I I, I think, clear vision for how it's going to be run and utilized for your team to have success. You have to have that in place, right? But as you fight to have that in place, you are doing away with the old. You are breaking away from traditions that have been around for, and mindsets, and ways of, of operating that have been around for a very, very long time. It's not easy to crack that. You know, we talk about developing new habits. And financial habits are very difficult uh, to to break and to introduce and, and, and have take hold. And especially when there is a disagreement about how much money should be given. Let's say, let's just use, you know, Florida State Booster A. Okay, I'm this guy. I love the Knowles you got the watch and the belt. I graduated in 1985. My kids have gone to Florida State. I go to Florida State. I'm still a season ticket holder. I, I give, I, but what do I do with my money? You know, I want to do what's right. I care deeply about Florida State, and I damn sure want to see our football team winning some games. I mean, I, I care. I've been coming to games forever. You know, so what, where do I give my money? I have whatever I have. You know, I've been a successful dentist. I've got $10,000, $20,000 a year I'm going to give to uh, Florida State University in, in some
0: capacity. A dentist, you say?
1: No. So I'm a dentist, and I say, all right, I got this, and I want to give how much where and how much there. You know, so that's tough because depending on who you ask and who they work for and what they're tasked with, they're going to give you a different answer. And and the the common denominator is they all love Florida State. They're not coming from a place. uh, They're not being disingenuous. Some of those guys are asked to raise money for the boosters. Some of those other guys are like, the boosters are useless. You should raise money for the NIL collective because we, in turn, can get you players that will win you games. Gone are the days where we're building facilities.
0: I'll tell you, uh, being raised on Sunday mornings as a a Roman Catholic, uh, (laughs) when I was a little kid, there was one collection plate. And I got into my middle school and teenage years, there was a second collection. Yeah. And the second collection announcement before every service would be something different. And so today, the second collection is for the St. Vincent Paul Society, yeah. which is an outstanding charity. Today, the second collection is for the capital campaign, the roof, the roof. Yeah. And then today, this was my favorite one. Today, the second collection is for debt reduction. Mm. <laughs> pay our bills. What does that even mean? Please pay our bills. But the second yeah. collection was kind of like what Florida State is right now as an entity, both as a university, a booster community, and then a non-affiliated collective. Mm. There are a lot of places that that second collection where that first down. collection needs yeah. to go. Yeah, and how do you pick? Yeah, well,
1: and, and so finding that balance and finding, I think, a pretty clear-cut message is what's important here. like you know, how are you identifying those that are willing to give and how is it that you talk to them about what you do and, and why you do it and how it's going to directly benefit them to give to you? And I and I am kind of you know, that's not easy. I mean it's easier said than done. I, I obviously know that uh, in the beginning, we did not have our ducks in a row when it came to the NIL. There were others that were already out in front that were well ahead of us, and that includes teams or organizations, programs, universities in this state, and that was a lot of frustration uh, and mounting frustration, consternation, a lot of, like, this is not going to get done, guys. They quickly uh, remedied, for the most part, that one particular collective seemed to emerge from all the rest and get a stranglehold on what was necessary, and there were very active, powerful, well-meaning um, Florida State alumni and boosters that were part of that or people that cared deeply about the success of the program. Not associated with Florida State by any means, by the way. Um, it's amazing that they all
0: went there, though. Yeah.
1: And those folks uh, acted quickly, and, and things changed quickly, and Florida State's place in the NIL world shifted quickly, and all of a sudden the ability to perhaps make a competitive offer or I guess illustrate what's possible if a kid were to say yes to Florida State and play football it changed but it's it's never going to be something that you can just sit idly by and hope continues to be um, run properly you have to be vigilant it has to be and I I you know that's what I don't know I'm not in those meetings I don't have access to those conversations per se I do know that in every one of these across the country, there is some disagreement. You're, you're going to have somebody who's old school, who's in their late 70s, and they're going to tell you, well, I think the money should be sprinkled evenly from our athletic programs. And you'll have a whole bunch of other people immediately retort, well, that's preposterous. You're outdated, you're antiquated, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. You should have retired years ago. And then there will be others that are like, well, I mean, I can understand developing a scholarship, let's say, for soccer, or softball. And so some of our money does have to go there. They've done a good job. But but we all understand, so we're on the same page, that the vast majority of this money needs to be procuring players for football because it's what butters the bread, everybody. And, you know, and then so those that are working, I'm sure that's, a, that's an argument.
0: Well, that's one thing why I like the coaches' clubs on the booster side of things because you can tell the university or, or the booster organization, I should say, where the money needs to go. You could dedicate a spot to it. I think that makes me... Well, I don't think. That's why I do it. It. I know where it's going. This is the purpose that I want this money yeah, to be yeah. used for. Mm-hmm. I wonder if collectives might not be better off if on the way in, as you donate or set up a recurring donation to the 501c3 or just an outright contribution to yes. the main profitable fund, if you don't earmark it, as you check a box on the way in and say, look, I want this to go to football. Or look, I want this to go to soccer or softball. You know, let's find some money for these programs that are kicking ass, and they don't get the but kind I'm, of love and, and exposure. Yeah. So, sure. I, would it hurt? You know, to be at a collective. I and think say, once you
1: reach a certain uh, amount, it's like your your war chest. If you get to a certain level. So you have an emergency fund.
0: Well, some people don't <laughs> care. They call it like a general fund, you know, and it's right. just like then just, then whatever it's going to do. The most board can determine again. where it needs yeah. to go, and that's fine. You guys are seeing the sp- the specifics of what you, better you need.
1: Trust the hell out of the people on that board,
0: right? This this you see how complicated this gets. Or you could just say, "What sport would you like this Rising Spear contribution to go to?" Check a box, and yeah. then you then you set it up.
1: In in the interim, I think that you ought to uh, build to a certain amount that allows you to be competitive with all of those you seek to compete against, which is the creme de la creme of college football. So right now, while you're building, you have to say, well, what's most important? Well, I think we know what's most important in this changing landscape. Florida State better be competitive in college football. That has to be the case, or you get left out. The game of mu- musical chairs is being played right now. People are leaving conferences and going to sugar daddy conferences, and everybody <laughs> else is getting left behind. So you better find a way to catch their yeah. eye. And the way you catch their eye is to win some damn games. Yeah. And so let's start with the building up of that amount. And then, then when we can breathe a sigh of relief and we've successfully manipulated our way to sugar daddy lane, we'll worry about the other stuff
0: right you've got a five gallon bucket a paint bucket a pint glass and a little cup you know and and the five gallon buckets florida state football and let's get that to a certain level before we attack the paint bucket and the pint glass and the little cup that are the other sports you can't just pour it all in equally as you go that bucket's never going to get where it needs to be you got to fill that sucker up i agree It's a beautiful thing. It's a fun
1: topic, and it's also an interesting and complicated one, and I'm not going to resolve it today, but these are the kind of fun conversations you can have when you're steady kicking ass on the football. Because you're
0: not worrying about the minutia (laughs) of going
1: five and freaking seven. I know i got a lot to catch up on in the chat. I'll get to it in a moment. Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. That time of year where I try to take in as much football as possible because it has dawned on me the sadness of being late in the game. And now you, now you like, oh man, we're running out of games to watch. So why do I bring that up? Well, for example, there are action games tonight, three of them, in fact. I'll watch them. Well, other than having to do a golf show on Sirius XM, which I like to do. I'm not bitching, but there'll be a little window there where I can't watch. But before and after, I'm watching them action. Might even have a bet on Northern Illinois team total over. Who knows? Oh, okay. Just saying. Might have a little pizza money out there for that. So it's... <laughs> but it's, it's the kind of fun and games. ass is in the jackpot now. Okay. <laughs> So what we have, by the way, is what Kent State, Bowling Green, Buffalo, Central Michigan, and uh, Northern Illinois, Western Michigan. All right,
0: I'll take your word for it. You don't watch? Oh, it's not that. It's just I won't have the, the weekday slate. I just know that it's on, and it'll be teams that I kind of know the name of.
1: Well, what happens is you, you, you fall into it. You're like, oh, maybe I should, maybe I should tune in. You know, and and you, I don't know. I start getting. Desperate to find football the later in the year it gets, where I'm like, okay, is there, it's, did, am I missing one? Is there one on a Tuesday night? Oh, there is. Oh, okay. I got to watch that. And like with a bit of fervor,
0: not just, I'm watching. Also, has it, has it been just me or is the NFL in general? pretty bad this year compared to college football we talked about it
1: it was so much it was great yes last year the nfl was great
0: in COVID, it wasn't close the 2020 season it was saturdays were garbage and sundays were fun yeah this year, I think it's been tilted back to college football being a hell of a lot more compelling week in, week out.
1: Well, we have better balance in college football this year than we've had in a long time. And I and I think that's always the biggest part of it. You're talking about competitive balance in anything. You want a lot of competitive balance if you're just a fan of, of games, competitive games, period. And when, when there's less competitive balance, you know. One of the reasons the NFL is king is because teams that win four games that one year can win 10 the next. It's, it's because it's a salary cap league built around what well, used to be built around 8-8, eight and eight, now they play 17 games. But, you know, that's the way it was. No team should sustain poor play or elite play for long periods of time, save for if you have an all-time great quarterback. But uh, in college football, for the longest, we were getting very, very concerned that it was the same four teams, same four or five teams. And I think this year you have – Greater interest from more people who could successfully argue that when you go down the list, so Florida State's twenty third in that college football committee rank. I know we don't care about that, Tom, but
0: uh, for recruiting, for though. recruiting, anytime, purposes, whatever it is, each week there'll be something each week that you can use to your advantage. Okay, here's what we use this week.
1: Yeah, and and a lot of times you just want to look at, yeah, you want to see how you're thought of. I guess you know you go through it and you're like, all right, well let's let's look at these rankings for what they are, we know what they are, they're, they're talking points, soap opera, whatever it might be, but how does it affect us, right? Well, when I go through those, I oftentimes look at and, and look at the top of those rankings and think, in the past, and think, oh man, you know, meet the new boss, same as the old boss, this story, this movie's been made, and that's not the case this year, and that's exciting. You know, we've had an influx of uh, different talking points, and Tennessee was a big part of that until last week when they got beat up by Georgia. But they're still, they're still in it. They're still, you know, hanging around. They're still an interesting team. We wouldn't have guessed that before the year. And, you know, Michigan has followed up last year's success with even more success this year. They're a, they were a, an efficient ground-and-pound team last year, but they're even better at it this year to go along with a more talented quarterback. Ohio State's still elite, of course, but Alabama has fallen off a cliff by Alabama standards. Uh, Clemson. Hasn't played well really all year long, and then finally had their comeuppance, and they have fallen off. And so we look at the other, you know, is TCU really going to go to the college? These are good things for college football. You want that big picture talking point to be the case. So, and there's still a lot to be decided, which I get excited about. I, I'm, you know, I, I bring everything back home here to to what we're doing, and how how high can we climb? And I don't mean to say that because that's the Title of everything they do climb, but I do wonder can Florida State finish top 15? I think so. That's a it's a huge and step forward well, and a big deal.
0: You know, and I want to look forward to, but I'll take one more look in the rearview mirror. What was possible in that three game stretch? Where could you have been? Top 10? Could have. Yeah, I, I think if you closed the deal
1: against NC State, mm, you know, we're probably not. I know there'd be plenty of moments where you would take a step back and go, God, in retrospect, we really probably should have played better against Clemson than we did given what they are. And you could argue the Wake game now that we see them start to fall apart a little bit, you know, and uh, but again, we talk about this all the time. When you play people matters. You know, how were they playing at the time that you played them? What personnel were they missing or did they have and they no longer have? What personnel were you missing that you now have back? In our case, it's Fabian Love it obviously and a healthy Jared Verse changes things immensely
0: well and that's what's going to change the conversation imagine this season exactly as it is exactly as we're sitting here today with a 12 team playoff you would be elated and say just get in because you still got a shot just get in don't let us get in the playoff with this defensive line you know because we could be a problem for any one of those teams they don't want to see us we know what we did in october which was nary win a game But look now at this front, and look now at how confident they're playing. It would be more of a stretch than the argument you could make for Coach Bowden's teams in the 90s with a four-team playoff, which is nobody wanted to see Florida State in a a four-team playoff for any one of those years in the 90s. Correct. But this group this year, with a 12-team playoff and those at-large bids, I would still be on the table. And this would be unbelievably dramatic.
1: Yeah, by the way, so if you just look at SP+, let's say, it's a fun exercise, right? So these are the best teams, SP+, Bill Connolly's measure, and the resumes. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Tennessee, TCU, Alabama, Oregon, Ole Miss, USC, UCLA, LSU, Clemson, Tulane, Penn State, Utah. Now, why does that matter? It doesn't necessarily. But what I do do is I take Florida State's resume and I look at their team and I look at the way that they're trending and the way that they're currently playing. And I think, all right, simple measure, neutral field, who you got? Florida State or Utah? Florida State or Penn State? Florida State, Tulane? A rematch with Clemson? Feel pretty good about that right about now, wouldn't you? With Fabian Levin in there? It's going to remove an element of Will Shipley's success against you, which was a game changer. You feel pretty good about that matchup. FSU-LSU, already beat him. FSU-USC, FSU-Ole Miss, FSU-Oregon. Great game. Probably a probably a problem game for Florida State. Secondary gets exposed. Bo Nix has been on fire ever since the post-week one ass-kicking at the hands of Georgia.
0: We could run it right down their throat.
1: Probably, but here you go. Shootout right. game. And so now this it's a chess match it, of I know
0: that you know that I know with yeah. Kenny and Mike.
1: It gets to be a fun exercise. What about Florida State-Alabama? Just lost to LSU. So... I don't fancy us getting a ton of stops against Alabama, but I'm not so sure they're getting stops against Florida State either. So here you go, we get into another shootout-type game. Florida State TCU is interesting. I've watched a lot of TCU this year because I've won a lot of money on TCU this year. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't be as locked in as they are, as I am with that team. They're really good and they have an explosive playmaker. So once again, I I wonder how many stops we'd get. We we'd see, but I think we would score on them. Tennessee, it's the same discussion. You notice this, and it's weird that. My fear is on one side of the ball fresh off of a game in which they gave up three points, but I think that most people would agree with me on that.
0: It's true, but there are signs of life. As in, you have a turnover off a zone coverage that was passed off beautifully.
1: (laughs) Well, the kid that threw that interception is hot garbage.
0: That might be true, but there's a lot of hot garbage that was completing, you know, a 15- to 22-yard pass downfield on us the last three seasons. Like Same coordinator, and you're saying, my God, Bailey Hockman owns us. Let me. How are we here? Yeah,
1: Let's hope that that's more about, and, and when you're handing out attribution, let's hope that's more about Azaria Thomas's emergence as a soon-to-be superstar in the secondary and less about a kid who can't play football that's thrown into the mix of an ass-kick and trying to make a desperate play uh, in a lopsided affair.
0: I'm just saying now, opponent adjusted. If you take a look at explosive plays allowed on defense, Florida State's top five in the country. Oh, we keep everything in
1: front of us, buddy. That is the whole goal. They don't make enough plays behind the line of scrimmage, they don't wreak a ton of havoc. Florida State doesn't. You know, they are not scoring deep. You know, I got it. But they are smart enough to know that their offense is going to score and they don't need to give up big plays. Let's make teams earn it. They play enough teams that simply can't. And you hope that when you get down – now, one of the things that's getting better, we hope trending in the right direction, Forest State was this team that was bending all the time, but they would also give up the touchdown in the red zone. <laughs> so you can't do that. You can't play that way if you're going to bend. Now, now hopefully they're getting some stops in the red zone and allowing for field goals. I'll, I'm fine with that. Let them kick field goals all day long. I don't think we have elite personnel on defense. So my goal would be hold everybody to under 24. You should win. Like Florida oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Florida State's offense is that good. You hold everybody to 24 or less, you're going to win the football game.
0: And think about that. We were longing for that just, you know, 10 football games ago. Into mm-hmm. late last year we're saying, man, if they could just get to that upper 20, lower 30 watermark, what would they do? Well, we're living in that reality now. That's something that you should expect. Vegas has the team total for Florida State on Saturday night against Syracuse at 29.5. So once again... Vegas is saying if Florida State gets the 30-point watermark, you cash. How do you feel about that?
1: I feel good about that. They're going against the three-three-five that they've already seen. There have been some injuries for Syracuse. They got it run down their throat by Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame's offensive line run metrics are some of the best in the country, top 20, just judging the offensive line. But Florida State runs the ball right now on everybody as well, so I'm good with that.
0: Here's what's interesting. You know who ran the ball better on Syracuse than Notre Dame? Clemson. Mm-hmm. but because of the turnover inside the five-yard line and because of Shipley's fumble yeah. in the early, I think it's third quarter of that game, the numbers are skewed. And you don't really think of it that way. But I looked at adjusted yards where I take the sacks off of the books. Sure, sure. And Notre Dame ran for around four and a half yards a carry, which is impressive because of how many times they ran the football. That's what's well, they emasculating.
1: Were all, they were also allowed to do it because they they had a special teams touchdown. You're talking about the game against Clemson? Yes. They had a special teams touchdown. If but, you're talking about the game against Syracuse, they had to pick six to start the game. So they, could always, okay, yes. so they could yes. always run because they never had to come from behind.
0: But my point is that Clemson ran the ball more explosively on Syracuse. Sure. And you don't look at those two programs and feel the same way about the running game shipley's an excellent red zone weapon dj's involved in the running game but you don't feel about clemson's offense the way you feel about notre dame's notre dame is smash mouth clemson's a little bit more multiple and yet clemson is the one that ran it down syracuse throat even better so that is a trend that is two teams that syracuse has played that could do something about on the offensive line i'd argue we're more explosive than either of those two teams on the ground
1: we are Correct. We are. So Notre Dame's not about explosive plays at all. They're about running the ball. Here, here's what I mean. Just running the ball, period. They're 6-0 in games in which they've run the ball 40 times or more. They're 0-3 in games in which they've run 40 times or less. That is Notre Dame stat. There it is. That's, those are the numbers. If, they, if, if they're allowed to run it
0: 40-plus times. Right. The plus score time, dictates if you can do correct. that a little bit. But yeah, If
1: they're allowed to run it 40-plus times, you're in trouble because they'll stick to it. And that's where I give Freeman credit. He figured out, like, okay, my quarterback's not real good. I don't have explosive weapons on the outside. I got two running backs I like and an offensive line, like all Notre Dame offensive lines, that can really lean on you. So you know what we got to be? We got to be this thing. We got to be this thing, this this. Stanford thing, this 1957
0: thing, we've got to be old school. Now, what's interesting about this weekend for us is I think that's what we need to be, not formationally speaking, because Notre Dame runs it very differently than we do, the the scheming of it. But I think this has to be more akin to NFL offenses in 2011 than what we want to do this season. If you're patient against Syracuse, you're going to matriculate the ball down the field. They just play soft. They play soft. Yeah. They love to drop eight, they love only the three men up front, and they don't even bring a whole lot of exotic run pressures on you. They just want you to prove it, that you can. That they'll force you to, and they're quick enough to tackle in space. I think this is going to be a boring game.
1: I hope it is. Yeah, I do too. I think it's going to be a boring game that favors Florida State, and at the end it'll all add up to a win and a cover, and we'll feel good about it. But I think it's going to be a boring game. I did what you did. I started watching more Syracuse, and I was like, okay, so they'll just drop eight because they don't want to give up the big play. And, and they'll that's play fine. so soft on the edges. Yeah. You could yeah, complete yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. 25 little bubbles and flare uh, type concepts in this game if you wanted to. Kind of fun. Hey, I, I, I didn't uh, answer questions in
1: the chat. So if you want to fire them at me, uh, feel free. I did not get to those that uh, had, had contributed. I felt bad about that. So uh, put it up there. Uh, traditional writes, uh, how do you feel? FSU will perform against Syracuse's offensive line in this game. Their sacks allowed, I saw, was 28 on the year. Yeah, well, One of the reasons their sacks allowed number is low is because they have a mobile quarterback, so that helps. But um, I I think the defensive line will be good in the sense of stopping or slowing down Tucker. That's that's the whole key to the game. They don't run block very well. No. And thanks for the contribution, yes, traditional. Appreciate you. it. I uh, agree. Yeah. Um, they don't run real well, and that's all I care about. I don't really care if we sack him. I care much more about slowing down the run game because if you're going to put it on his arm to win the game, then Florida State's going to win. So I, I feel fine with that. Yeah, I think
0: the terms of the fight are on the edge here for Florida State's defense, it's getting out in space and making sure that Sean Tucker is accounted for in space. And then also the thing I love about the way the Miami game ended, other than the score, of course, is Ja'Kari Brown running on us successfully. Even though some of that was with our backups, I love that A lot tape of it being was with there. Our backups, yeah. Because if Schrader plays, it's the same kind of concepts. Schrader is a stronger, older player yeah, than Brown is. Mm-hmm. But it's not that Brown is a scat-type quarterback. He's He runs more physically. Yeah. So that's good that you've been tested in that way. You've got the, the tape to teach off of because that's another thing that you're going to have to account for. Schrader is also good at quick throws. But if you if you stop Schrader the runner and Tucker the runner and Tucker the receiver, their wide receiver weapons don't scare you.
1: It should always be noted that when a team has a mobile quarterback, you're going to give up some plays. You know, I, you're know, you not going to completely shut anybody down who has a quarterback that can run uh, because there are going to be times where you're in man and your back is to him and he's going to take off and get yards, and, and that's fine. I, if that's the primary mode of uh, moving your offense, then you're in trouble. I mean, now every now and then you get a guy who's pretty great at it, and eventually learns how to throw, like I think over time we've watched, well, I think the greatest example is what's going on in Philadelphia right now. It's remarkable. I mean, there's a guy that nobody trusted to win games from the pocket, and now he's gotten to where he can make throws, and he is still a great threat with his legs, but he's now making throws. Took years and years and years and years to get there, but they were patient. They built a great roster around him, and he's able to do it. Yeah, we got more. Oh, yo, I'll get to those. We got a break right now. Jeff 93 933 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV TV. Uh, P. Simpson, that's good, man. That's really good. Jeff, are you still going to smoke a pack of heaters on the air if they win 10 games? I couldn't. You know what? It's crazy.
0: Did you agree to do that? No, of course not. He's oh. making
1: fun of the fact that we're always being asked to do all these Salacious things that Florida State keeps winning. You know, cake stands. He could have just put, are you doing lines of cocaine if they win on Saturday? You know,
0: we're not Miami fans. No, but
1: the uh, the funny thing about heaters, you know how when you're in college, occasionally if you drink too much, you decide to have somebody's cigarette, and that was kind of the way that I would smoke cigarettes back then. I didn't I was never a smoker. Uh, I never never liked cigarettes. Uh, I was a dipper. And, uh, and it's, I couldn't do either now to save my life. There's no chance. Like the thought of it now is repulsive. Although back then you're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's just crazy.
0: It was never a thing for me. No, and
1: I know yeah. why. But yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yet I always loved smoky bars. So go figure. Maybe that was a Christian. But, but you don't anymore, I don't think. No, I've been to one recently and it was, um, No, the next morning, it's just, you got to... Oh, you're close. They're done. And it's this extra two-minute process of coughing up a bunch of garbage. Still
1: love the smell of a pipe. Still love the smell of a good cigar. My wife disagrees with me on the cigar, so I'm forced onto the patio when I'm having one. But uh, she did. I'm like, isn't this great? No. No, it's not. I'm going to shut the door. Have a good one. (laughs) So that's how that works for me. I've got scotch and a cigar. She's like, the scotch is good. You can take it outside with the cigar. like, okay. Jeff and Tom, who are our biggest loss this? Who is our biggest loss this off season? Uh, well, you know, again, yeah, we're having a crystal ball there. Get down, lay down. Appreciate the question. I would tell you that I, I guess Fabian love it if he leaves, and there's big ifs on these guys that we talk about leaving. I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be d- uh, difficult. Um, I think a lot of these guys might come back. Fabian seems to me if yeah, he can I'm... if he can get into the top two rounds that he should yeah, he'll probably take it. On Fabian down the road. should go. He should go. I think he should too.
0: I think that that LSU game should scare him into going. If I was in his camp, come on, man. You're going to be 27 years old by the time you leave here. Go get whatever money you can go get.
1: (laughs) You guys, you're just wrong for that. (laughs) I get all kinds of things attributed to me on the regular, but that's good. Jeff and Tom, if we had beaten NC State and Clemson, would FSU be one of, I believe the question was, it got moved around there um the four playoff spots no i don't think so not with not with the one loss right now no
0: uh we've still got a full hour that's good we'd be in we'd be a lingering conversation member because of beating lsu yeah what are they
1: seven now according to the committee yeah i guess you're right jeff kebert show 93 three real talk radio and war chant tv